we're talking about uh, wellness in our soul, thank you. The power of music to speak into our souls in ways that words alone cannot express. And you are a gift to us for that. We want to have a life that's worth living well. One, because God wants that for you. And Jesus' ministry centered around wellness that our faith could make us well. And what does it mean for us? And why does the great commandment have to do with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength? And so we've been centering on that in this series. And I, I hope you're able to, to spend some time and dwell on that a little bit. The challenge we looked at to see that as we navigate life, so often we look for the compass that can give us direction and we sometimes look at certain compasses that just aren't worthy of our lives. And so we've been looking at how does Christ speak into our existence to give us guidance to how to not only to do things but how to be who we are. And we talked about last week uh, the importance of the heart. And we classified it under emotions that are there. They're a gift from God to help us know a certain circumstances. We respond. Our emotions tell us something. Something's not right or something's joyful. Whatever it might be, the challenge is, is that we think we have to squelch some emotions in favor of others, but all of them have a role. The challenge is not to let the sun go down on some of those emotions that can separate us and divide us and create rage. So we talked about we have a feeling response to something, and sometimes our next place is to go to action. But the promise is that when emotions communicate something to us, we can make a decision, take a step back, take a breath, and decide, and then our action can be a reflection of who we are in light of God's love for us. And ultimately, that's what love is. The relationships we have are a decision, a decision uh, that we can be faithful, a decision that we can sacrifice for the needs of others. And today we look at the soul. And when we find that sense of compass and direction, the soul plays a central part in our spirituality, and our rest, and our play. We're going to engage in that today. And my hope is that we'll take time to ask, how is it with my soul? One of the brochures that you received is about a new focus we're coming into for Lent, and it is an invitation to a spiritual journey. And this, uh, I'm excited about this. A lot of people have been giving their heart, soul, mind, and strength to this as we prepare for Lent. And it is an opportunity for us to examine how we're doing in our growth, our discipleship, our spiritual journey. How are we doing in connecting with God through worship, through beautiful music like that? How are we doing connecting with each other through um, hospitality and acts of kindness and friendship? Then we're going to go into grow and, and how are we how are we being life learners, reflecting, knowing that our children's faith is good as children, but when we grow and mature, so must our faith to address the challenges of life. And then that can be done through small group, biblical reflection, all the opportunities. We'll explore that together and finally serve, uh, which is really a hallmark of this church, caring for others, relieving suffering, offering hope. So my prayer is that uh, as we gain a centering of wellness with our compass, it'll direct us into a spiritual journey that will just bless your spiritual life and engage you into a relationship with God of meaning and find yourself being the advocate of God's grace in a world so desperately in need. How do we live a life that's worth living well? So spirituality is the first segment of the soul we'll be looking at. That's the ability to connect with high purpose in life. 
to have a, a clear set of beliefs and morals and values guiding our actions, centering in the divine revealed in Christ for our lives. And then we're going to look at rest and play, the ability to bounce work and play and to renew oneself. It's a life worth living. Spirituality, if we look at it, the word spirituality comes from the word meaning to breathe. And it has uh, the word respiration. The spirit is in the center of our breathing. It gives breath and animates the personal life. It's interesting when we practice spiritual practices, uh, Wesley, we call them means of grace, them prayer and community and small group and reflection and service. All these things play into connecting with God. And there's not just one way to do it. And some of us find deep meaning through a choral song or, or maybe a, a walk with your dog or, or maybe visiting the mountains. I love going to the mountains. And uh, yeah, what am I doing in Wisconsin? So, I mean, there's so many different ways, right, in, in which we can just engage the divine. And what we find is when these practices of prayer and reflection and biblical um, reflection is that, we, that the, the, these practices have found to help us, our, our, even our mental health, our capacity to cope and our dealing with our anxiety, our fears, our frustrations, our angers. It's incredible how the research has shown these religious practices are important. They help us find changes of health in our personalities. It reduces tension, anxiety. It diminishes self-blame. It stabilizes our emotions. improves our self-understanding. And today, one of the texts that can guide us in our looking at our spiritual journey and connection comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. And Jesus heals the ten with leprosy. And I invite you to read the text along with me if you'd like. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten men with a skin disease approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. The one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked him, were not ten made clean, so where are the other nine? A text that tells us a story of Jesus' interaction in this situation, Luke shares a story to remind us of how Jesus ministers and cares and what's happened in our relationship to the divine. The word saw comes up quite a bit. And I just want to encourage looking at this text this morning just to see how that word plays in this special story of Jesus These individuals saw Jesus, and and because they saw him, they called out to him. And then it tells them in the 14th verse that Jesus saw them. And because of he was able to see them, he had compassion for them, and he called them to to be cleansed. One of them saw that he was healed. And because he saw it, in a way apparently different than the others, he went back to Jesus, praising him with a loud voice, throwing himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And notice how Luke wants to make sure we know this. And he was a 
Samaritan. It'd be so much easier if he was just uh, my Jewish neighbor. But the Samaritan plays that role constantly. Jesus just disrupting us a little bit, making sure we see beyond ourselves as he saw. The celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. this weekend is just a reminder again of how uh, Dr. King was able to see others. His call for beloved community and knowing how far we had to go and even today yet more to see others for character and blessing and to have a dream where we all could be one to overcome any of the isms that separate us because he saw other people and his call for beloved community is a vision of God's grace and mercy being manifested to everyone equally. I pray that we too can see those around us and live into that legacy of Jesus and Dr. King. That seeing, that ability to notice those around him led him to a healing and blessing. And then he said to them, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The response is to see how God had been active in his life and he returned to Jesus and with great thanksgiving. Um, he must have seen more than just the healing. Something else must have been going on. Something within his soul wanted to praise God and recognize what God had done. The seeing the other. This tendency for religious activities has to be, again, this sense of wellness for our lives. But the reality is, sometimes the church, we don't get it right. I think sometimes we don't help people get well. These moments, these negative influences, is when we become toxic in our faithful environment. We're characterized more by fear and shame and guilt We scare people into believing, behaving a certain way without allowing them to process and understand. Why did Jesus ask people what they needed or what they wanted sometimes, even before he acted? Because he had certain sacred love for those, the other. He saw them. So may we, in our journey of spirituality, engage in practices, those means of grace, the prayer, the reflection, being in small groups of community and sharing and and seeing the needs of others, may it guide us. We know that our beliefs are expressed in statements such as creeds, but our spirituality is expressed in ways that we live our lives. We know that our soul and its well-being, the sense the soul, of course, is that, is that, is, Um, that breath within us. Uh, But in biblical sense, not only is the spiritual reality, there's a physical reality to the soul. So in some ways, you may say, well, people have a soul. Sometimes in biblical reference, it's the person is a soul. It's your identity. It's who you are. It integrates all the things that you are created to be. Not only the sense of spiritual being, but related to that is the impact of rest and play. Rest and play, I might call this the nap and play date section of the sermon. Rest is so important. Playing is so important to our lives. Again, it goes back to our health and research shows us over and over. It makes for creativity, innovation, strengthening our ability. It helps us solve problems more effectively. I was just talking to an individual after the first service. He said, do you ever play Wordle? I'm looking at this. I can't figure it out. 
I go away, I rest, I take a moment, I come back, and boom, it comes to me. Why is rest and play so important? Why does it help us deal with the emotions and allow us to find more amazement and joy in life? Why is letting our minds rest so important? Why is it when we sleep well, we find an increased emotional resiliency and gives us a greater capacity to cope with the the stresses that we face in our lives? If you are a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt or uncle, if you've been around children at all, you know the importance of taking a nap. Right? Because when you're holding them, you're, you're loving on them, but they're just restless and this isn't going well, and you just realize, oh, it's, it's an hour past when they should have been down. And then they start to resist it and they fight it, and all the things that come into the play of trying to get our rest. But what a difference it is when we're allowed to rest. It's like when I think of mission trips with the youth I've done through most of my ministry. And when we, we get going, it's exciting. We get to the place and we're enjoying ourselves late in the evening. And I say, you know, it's probably time we should hit the hay. And they don't want to. Who does? You're having fun with your friends. You're away from home. Yay! You know, all these things are happening, right? But what happens when we don't rest? I'll tell you by... By Wednesday of the week, people are doing a lot more sitting than working. And all of a sudden, they get a little bit more crankier. Rest plays into our ability to love. It's a spiritual discipline. Offer it to yourself. I encourage you to consider how you are doing in the area of allowing rest within yourself. Now, some of us are at a point in your life and say, Gary, I got this taken care of. Blessings to you. Some of us are still struggling with this. And it goes back to understanding, are we human beings allowing ourselves to enjoy and to be a part, to set aside time, or are we human doings? And all we are is understood by our ability to achieve something. And we give badges of honor to people who are busy. And there are times that I hear your pastor, I know you're busy. I might have a lot of stuff to do, but if I'm busy then I'm missing my call. I have to just see each moment as an opportunity to step back. And when I'm away on the Sabbath day of rest, I'm away. I would expect the same for you to find moments to be, not always to doing. It's a marriage between the two. That our doings can honor God in how we achieve things and be successful is great, but it's in balance with our ability to know who we are in our being and to rest, to experience peace in the relationship between the two, working, resting, and playing. The Gospel of Matthew gives us a reminder, a divine call to rest, invitation to you and I. And I invite you again, if you'd like, uh, let's read Matthew eleven twenty-eight together. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is speaking the disciples, Matthew's recording this interaction. All you who are weary and burdened, 
Scholars, scholars believe that this probably is a reference to the, the religious um, demands upon people. Remember when Jesus would say to the religious leaders of the time, you're, you're just putting weight on people's shoulders and not lifting a finger to help them. Is religion just this weariness, this, um, this sadness, this lament? Is that all we have to offer? And yet Jesus here is describing that, you know, my yoke is upon you, um, and I am gentle and humble, and, and you can find rest for your soul. Sure, this is this future hope, but salvation is a sense in the moment God's grace is there. There are challenges, there's work to be done, but my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why? Because it lifts us out of the sadness and the struggle and the hurt. I pray that we can get a vision of understanding of spirituality, centering in a rest and a play where we can find rest in a God who calls us to do so. Jesus constantly is going away to secluded places in Scripture to renew himself. He started his ministries for 40 days and nights away from others. It was important to him. Maybe it's important to us. I can't help but think of... Um, when Scott Stoner describes this description of rest for the soul, he says the word serenity. And that, that's what I was feeling during the anthem today. Serenity, this peace in the moment. It doesn't mean I ignore the injustice around me. It's just in this moment I can be renewed and energized, aware and ready because I have a sense of serenity in that moment. I can't help, I know, I can't help but think of Seinfeld. It, you know, there's this Festivus for the rest of us, right? And that's at Christmas celebration stat, and it's it's a it's a airing of grievances, right? And um, and during a sharing a meal with the family, they they tell them all the ways they disappoint you over the year, and and some of you are going, that's what our family does, but <laughs> but I love it when things get so hard, and finally Frank goes, serenity now, right? And the challenges and the burdens I have, serenity. But serenity means that peace within my life. You have an opportunity to rest and abide in the presence of God. To be reminded of God's love. Sometimes it's just being able to accept what is. Not to leave it there, but understand that my worry and my desire to control it all is limited. can't help but think of the 12-step program that the prayer that that many of us know of God grant me the serenity to accept all things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference the call for Christ my yoke is easy and my burden is light spirituality is about breathing and that's why one of the great practices for us sometimes is just breathing. Doing it with your diaphragm. I, I tend to breathe in my chest. It's not a good thing. And they'll all tell you that when you sing. And just learning to breathe. And it's funny over the years how I've gotten better at it. You think, well, what did you do before you were breathing? Well, I was, but just not very well. And when we receive in, just breathing in and taking your time with that to receive to receive God's grace and mercy and love and to, then to exhale the stuff that's in the way, the burdens you don't need to carry on your own, to release to God. These opportunities can allow us to go deep in connection. 
what we find is in this area of rest and play, it can have one of the most impactful realities if someone is experiencing wellness in their life. Stephen Covey, in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he shares the story depicting the importance of, of rest and renewal. And he talks about two lumberjacks. And, and here's a picture depicting that a little bit. Um, two lumberjacks that are working in the forest, and they have this two-person saw. I know today that's done differently. But in the day, these lumberjacks um, were working. By the end of the day in their sawing, it just got harder and harder. And they were struggling more, and they are grinding hard. And they're trying to, I just got to get this last tree done. Working so hard. But it seemed like they weren't making any progress on that current tree, grinding away. Little impact. We know that experience, don't we? Sometimes we get to a point where we're grinding away and nothing seems to change and we're struggling with it. Finally, they stop exhausted and frustrated. And they noticed someone that had come by and they had a conversation with this passerby and they shared the last retreat. It was so difficult, pushing and pulling and grinding away with little impact. They concluded that they were simply exhausted from pushing and pulling, grinding away. Then the passerby asked a simple question. I'm curious, how many times during the day did you stop to sharpen your saw? You know how that goes, right? I'm going to grind this out to the end. I'm not going to stop. I just got to get this done. And we work harder and harder and harder and harder, and it just seemed not to get any progress. The question is, do we pause to sharpen the blade? And we're talking more than a blade. We're talking about the technique, the approaches, our understanding of life. Oliver Wendell Holmes says, we do not quit playing because we grow old. We grow old because we quit playing. We haven't taken the time for rest. Time to sharpen the saw or sharpen our technique or our understanding or our approach. The amazing thing about the two-person saw is some of you that know this, the blade is designed to do what? To work when you draw it, not when you push. You don't push on a two-person saw. In fact, what they find is, is that when a team learns how to support each other by only drawing, that means you get uh, what they call a rest stroke. That in a moment you can rest in between. It plays an important part. So how are we doing with our rest? Are we grinding away? Are we grunting and, and grinding without taking the time to rest and play, to stand back, to take a breath? Over 3,000 years, the wisdom of Judean Christian tradition of having a Sabbath has been so important to slow down, to connect with ourselves. It's more than just zoning out. Sabbath time is a, is a time for resting, for this issue of centering, the importance of seeing and being reminded of who we are and how we're loved and who calls us to maybe allowing our blades to be sharpened. It's the difference between a sense of recreation and recreation. I can just think of family trips when we plan for them. We get ourselves so focused on accomplishing so much. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing. Have you ever done a retreat with your family about being? And creating moments where you look and see each other. Like Avatar, I see you, right? Those moments where we're connected with each other. We're not running to the next. And we're not dealing with a crying baby who hasn't had a chance just to take a nap. And that's not your spouse I'm talking about, <laughs> although it could be. But may we find ourselves engaged in what it means to take rest, to be recreated, to take moments and be intentional with walks and conversations and reading and reflecting, playing an instrument. 
I invite you now to read from Hebrews, uh, um, again, just a reminder of the importance of taking Sabbath and connecting with God. So then, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also rest from their labors as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into the rest so that no one may fall through such disobedience as others. And I go, well, I wonder what that disobedience is. If I don't rest or take Sabbath, am I disobedient? It's a reference I'm unrested, that my being is compromised by my doing, that not only do I feel exasperated, but I'm exasperating those around me. Do I take time to listen? How is it with your soul? Studies indicate the importance that we're taking advantage of, of those moments of resting. Again, in the, uh, the assessment I encourage you to take from Living Compass, some of the questions related to the area of rest and play. I am satisfied with the amount of time that I set aside for healthy fun. Remember, a faith that works at this church, F is fun-loving. I actively take advantage of opportunities to try um, new healthy ways to have fun. I regularly take time to laugh and enjoy life. I take time to recreate and renew myself regularly. What are the things that we do for rest and play? This whole sense of dwelling on how we're doing with our, our wellness is leading us into how can we take action points where are we inspired to focus in? Not doing everything, just taking one thing, one possible step. Asking God to give us insight into ourselves. Then being time sensitive about this. When do I do this and, and how much time do I spend on it? And it has to be heartfelt. We have to be honest with ourselves because we've gone through the kind of New Year's resolution things before that haven't worked for us. This runs deeper. and Sometimes it has to include accountability, which, again, Wednesdays, during our Wednesday night faith, food, and friendship program at 6 o'clock, there's a class focused on wellness. And frankly, other good options, too. Maybe these are things or disciplines that might be helpful to you. It's amazing to think, when we think about rest, how on the seventh day, even God had to do it, or at least chose to. And it models for us how we might live. How are we doing spiritually? Our being, our doing, how are we doing with rest and play? It's important for our wellness. It's the life worth living. Let us pray. God of all creation, we celebrate the blessings that surround our lives, the gift that we have, and how Jesus Christ revealed to us a life that was able to see the world in ways for bringing healing and hope to offer forgiveness, to, to teach and instruct us. For Jesus, who had reached the untouchable, loving, the marginalized, and uncared for. So may we be able to be agents of your love, to help those in need today. May we be reminded on this important celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. and his commitment to see others, to call the beloved community to overcome 
the racism or the sexism or the ageism or anything that would separate us from being in fully into your beloved community of grace. Help us be agents of that love. Help us know how our spiritual lives, how our rest and play, help us be agents more effectively of your love. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.